action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose. What is it, D-Word? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work. What if it did work? Start asking yourself better questions. An amazing podcast and an amazing movement, but it all started as an Amazon best-selling book by yours truly. Yes, I'm being biased. It's my favorite book. Took me forever to write, about 47 years. But you know what? It took a lot less to write my second book. The Vacation CEO, yes, that's a new book. What if it did work? All right, everybody. How's it going? Another day, another episode of my favorite podcast. Why is it my favorite podcast? Because I'm biased. It's my own. And I'm honored to have an amazing individual in front of me, Sherry Eifler. She's the founder and CEO of Our Connection Point, a transformational leadership coaching company. She's a devoted army wife and mother with a passion for women's ministry and brings over 20 years experience of leading teams and organizations within the military footprint. Through her roles as an author, speaker, and executive director with the John Maxwell team, she has trained over 5,000 men and women. As an Army veteran and devoted Army wife, Sherry Sherry makes her home where the Army sends her with wine. Her husband of 25-plus years and their three amazing children. She's on a mission to help 50,000 military-affiliated women to reconnect and discover the power of community and connection and life, live life through their purpose. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's, it's fun to hear um, my passion spoke out loud. <laughs> hey, it, it's the passion away. And, and thank you for your service. Thank you. Oh, Sure thing. It's it's truly my honor, both um, serving as an an Army officer for five years and then um, continuing to serve the uh, military community through their families um, has really been a um, a joy and a true honor. So now, did you meet your husband while you were an officer? Is that how you you guys met or it was just... We met in college in ROTC, so we were commissioned together, and um, I actually started my life as a um, in the military as an Army wife before I went on active duty myself, so we got married while I was still in college. <laughs> well, con- hey, congrats. Not, not only did you serve your country, but 25 plus years of being married. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. So, and you're 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 the executive director of the John Maxwell. Team? Well, as part of the um, John Maxwell team, I have um, elected to be at the executive level. So that means that I have more tools in my toolbox to help all of my clients, and so it just gives me access to be able to and certification to be able to teach more of his materials and help. Um, change the mindset of people and um, help people embrace the leader that they are inside themselves. So, Hey, I, I mean, I, I love that. I, I love John Maxwell. I'm, I'm definitely 
a student, read all his books, uh, watched him speak at, at Grant Cardone's 10X. I've, I've purchased plenty of his, his products, his webinars. And hey, leadership, you can't go wrong. So talk to me about this. One, congratulations. You're in service. Means we're like-minded people. But how what what how do you plan on empowering these fifty thousand women? If you don't mind me asking. Well, um, that's a great question. So Armar, I spent like we already discussed, I was an army officer and then I transitioned from wearing the uniform, having a purpose and an identity as an army officer. And then I transitioned into motherhood and I became what the army likes to call um, our family members were dependents. And that just didn't sit well with me. And I didn't realize that. And I listened to your last um, one of your previous episodes with Dr. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, now I, I lost it and I didn't write down his name. Um, Dr. Alex, Alex, uh, yes. And he was talking about identity and rewiring and everything. And I, and you guys were talking about being um, self-help conference junkies and stuff like that. And that's what I was. And I didn't realize I was looking for my identity and all of it. And it wasn't until I realized that I needed to sit down and answer the question, who am I? And actually put all the pieces um, that I'd been learning through all the self-help together that I was able to move forward with purpose and, and empowered in it. And really what it breaks down to is what you guys talked about, embracing who I am as a unique individual, finding my worth in myself, loving myself and taking who I, I am into the world. Because I think what we've done is we've tied what we do to who we are in our identity. So then if what we do changes, we will, we lose ourselves and we don't know who we are. We lose our power in each day. And that's what I ended up. It took me over a decade to figure out that that was my problem. But once I figured it out, it changed everything because then I was able to recognize, okay, as a military spouse, we transition constantly. Like we moved every two years on average. You're just moving, moving, moving. You're falling into a new um, environment. And so what I ended up developing is the uh, strong core assessment um, process. And so what I do is I help people answer the question, who am I? And um, because if we don't know who we are at our core, we can't live the life that we're supposed to live. And through this process that I take people, they get to understand how they're uniquely made. And um, since I am faith-based, I always start this process with having everybody ask, answer the question, where is your hope? And having them write that hope statement because, um, Omar, you probably know this really well. If you don't have hope, why do you care who you are? And so I start people out with that question and then say, okay, now that you know that you have hope, let's get down to business. And um, I help people go through and do the work. Now, wouldn't you think an army dependent, aren't spouses supposed to be building an empire together? To me, a dependent doesn't sound like an equivalent. It, 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 It sounds like almost like a burden. Like, like you're you, the, the army spouse, whether it's male or female, isn't trying to create a, a, 
a winning environment, create happiness. It's like, okay, it's a dependence. Isn't right there like, why shouldn't we just call them something more empowering? Like, oh my gosh, your your dependence. It's like, right. especially if you're moving every two years, especially if if you're if, if you have to have the strength and the courage to keep on moving every two years and keeping the family together. I would think dependent is like the worst thing to call the the army spouse, don't you think? Well, well, definitely. And we have come a long way. I mean, the military has come a long way. But I mean, if you go back in history, when, you know, they're in Vietnam, and they're in war and everything, um, they didn't have places for the families to live. The families usually lived in their their houses and, and the yellow taxi cabs were the ones who were bringing notices that their um, their, their, their loved one, their husband, their father, their son had been killed in action. And we have come a long way. Now we have, um, we have a full family network and everything, but we haven't lost that dependent ID card and dependence. And, um, and I don't know how to overcome that, but we as military spouses, male or female, we have come together, Omar, and I'm so glad that you recognize that. We have come together as a network. We build. We are not um, here to be fully supported. We need to be equipped. And so we come together, we're equipped, and then we move forward. But in these things, and I think what most people think of, if I were to tell you um, that I had an identity crisis, you'd think, well, how could you? You're not a 50-year-old guy, and you haven't chosen to drive around in a red sports car, because that's our ideal in our head of an identity crisis. But really, we have um, identity crisis triggers over and over again. Anytime you move, anytime you're married, anytime you bring somebody new into your family, whether it be a child, an adopted person, or you're bringing your elderly, elderly family into your home, you are setting yourself up, you know, changing a job. These are all identity crisis triggers. And if we don't know who we are at the center of us and we tied who we are to what we do and what our circumstances are, then we can fall apart and lose who we are and lose our strength. Um, and so that's why I want to help military spouses be able to center themselves in who they are so that each place they move, they can get involved in the community in the best way that they are uniquely designed and have strength in each move. Now, Sherry, identity crisis. To me, shouldn't we always be having identity crisis? Because to me, identity, if I'm the same person that I was two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, that should be a real identity crisis. Because to me, I want to have that identity crisis. Who am I? Because that means I'm growing. I'm in new situations. I'm going way past my comfort zone. Just like my hat's off to both because the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, whomever the service man or service woman is and their spouse for having to do that, to have have to move because most people hate change. But to me, that's an identity crisis. If one day you're in Hawaii, then the next day you're in Shreveport or then, you know, two years from now, you might be in Germany. I mean, if that's not an identity crisis, then I don't know what to tell you. you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and I love that point that we should not seek to remain the same. And so that's why in um, my strong core identity process, it takes you, it sets you and helps you identify who am I today? What are my core values? What are my operating strengths? What are my rapid responses and what I sense is my responsibility in life? And then what is my ego and esteem? And you set that out and you lay that out and then you sit and you reflect on it and you go, okay, is, is there something in here that I have, that I need to improve on? Like, I know that this is who I am, but I'm not living it. And so you, you look at that and then I always, then I recommend everybody come back every three months and reassess and see and always write down goals for how am I going to keep growing? Because you're who you are uniquely as an individual, but we continue building it and it will tweak and it will change because our life circumstances change. Our life experiences change and um, we come be- we become better, but we can only do that if we have a solid foundation and understanding of who we uniquely are. You're, you're going to smirk at this. When you said you're faith-based, why is it these days that's that seen as unique or 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 different? Why why has the masses like we've slowly shifted away from that? Isn't that an amazing thing to be faith-based? I mean, my book, my podcast, I mean, I'm I'm proud of, of my faith. I'm proud of of who I am. I mean. Like what I, I tell people, if we were made in God's image, I know he didn't want us to struggle, to suffer, to get by. If I, I'm, I'm sure he wasn't like, I want everybody to be middle management. I want people to have identity crisis. <laughs> but, but, but it seems like, you know, to say, oh my gosh, faith-based. It's like, why? To me, it's an amazing thing. Uh, I mean, being a... a I, I I always like shrug when somebody tells me that they have a lack of faith because usually if they have zero faith, uh, most of the time they don't even have faith in themselves, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and exactly. And um, when I first started doing this, um, it it's difficult to be in the corporate zone and be faith-based. And then really through going through this process myself, I realized that, you know, I have to be true to who I am. And I know that what's really going to help people is if they recognize that they are created by the one true creator and that he uniquely designed us for a purpose that he already laid the foundation for. And so Stepping it, encouraging people to step into that is really um, my mantra behind everything that I do. So I just, I don't think I, my, um, I told you, but I just re- released um, a Bible study for women. It's Royal Reflections, the Making of a Warrior Princess. And it's all about setting the foundation of our identity and who we are in Christ. And then from there, we look at, okay, so how have I been uniquely designed? How have I been uniquely gifted to live out my purpose in the body of Christ for the kingdom and for, you know, walking arm in arm with my brother and sister in Christ on either side and and fulfilling the great commission? Let's just not even hide behind that, right? There's the great commission for us to bring others into the family because God 
created us for community, connection, and for um, just relationship with Him. Amen, amen. And, and I know you're gonna you're gonna bring that back up again, twenty, thirty, thirty five minutes when we we wrap up because there's no shame in promotion. There's no shame in plugging, especially when it's for something to help people, to be in service, to be more Christ-like. Anybody can say, I'm a Christian. Anybody can go to service. But what about the 23 other hours of the day on a Sunday? What about the other six days of the week? I, I can say I'm Christian, but if my actions... You know, actions always speak louder than words. And if you have to tell people that you are without showing them, then, you know, that that's something that people need to look within. But come, yeah, of course, I, a women's Bible study. Now, is I'm assuming it's what, through Zoom or is it? A um, well, it's basically they can purchase the, the book. And my my plan is, to, um, when I relaunch it in January is I'm starting a uh, Warrior Princess Academy. So I'm going to take people through the study and then I'm going to equip people to facilitate the study themselves because I can reach this small group, but when I train others and give them confidence, they can reach the world. And um, we have been given an amazing identity in Christ. We have been given authority in Christ. And that's one of the things that I really point to in the study is walking in our authority, walking in our purpose. And exactly like you said, it's it's our lifestyle that draws people into um, asking the question, how can you live that way? How What gives you that strength? What gives you that confidence to be doing what you're doing? And that's where knowing what our core values are and, and act and like writing yourself a commitment statement. Why will I not, why will I not sacrifice this core value? Why do I stand to it? Why do I commit myself to standing with this? And that's so important in this world right now, especially as like business leaders, we have to know what we stand for so that when something comes to like push us and make us want to, you know, Oh, well, I can, I can give up a little bit of that. If you know who you are, you know what, who you are and what you stand for, you know what your business is and what your business stands for, then you can stand no matter the pressure that, um, that's going to come your way. So, and also what you you forgot to say, Sherry, was like, you forgot to say, Omar, come January for my launch. I would like you to promote and share with your audience and with all your followers, this amazing course that can only help enlighten, broaden their faith and make, make them stronger women. Yes. Omar, you, you, you spoke it so much better than I could. Thank you so much. <laughs> Cause I, I just believe there's so many women that need it. And it's so funny because my husband calls my study, um, uh, made for a woman, but strong enough for a man. And I think that's just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, it is, isn't that, isn't that true though? But leadership, most leaders are all faith-based. If you think about it, I mean, they, they all talk about it. John, John Maxwell 
ordained minister. He, 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 talks, he talks about his relationship with Christ all the time. And the other ones too, Anthony Robbins, Zig Ziglar. I've, I've never come across a truly successful leader that does, does not have strong faith. I, I mean, to me, it'd be kind of hard to say, to lead by example and go, okay, well, there's nothing out there. Just do it. One day you're going to die in this story. I'm like, oh, wow. How inspiring. How motivating. <laughs> right. Well, that's a great observation, Omar, because I, in all of those leaders that you mentioned, they are good leaders but not just good leaders. They are good servant leaders. They live servant leadership out in their life. You see it. They are not holding on to what they've learned. They, um, as John Maxwell always says, he's a river. And he just wants all of his, everything that he's learned, he wants others to learn because he wants the world to be a better place. And we can only be better if we're sharing and we're not holding on to what we have. So and, live, live in abundance instead of scarcity. Yep. yep. Live, in, live in abundance. And know the more you give, the more you're going to get get to give away. <laughs> well, exactly. But, but it's, it's like, I'm sure you and I and all those great leaders want to lead by example, like Zig Ziglar. He did it all the way to pretty much he died. It was he, he never retired because that wasn't a job. He his whole life was in service. And that's what people don't understand is when you're doing what Christ wants you to do, when you're doing what your soul tells you to do, it's not a job. You're you're not gonna have like a calendar saying, I, I have seven years, four months, and six days till I retire. Because if you're living your life like that then you're truly never living your purpose. You're right. I, you know, my husband and I, we, you know, people ask us, okay, so what are you going to do when you retire? What are you going to do when you retire? And we sat down and had the conversation and I said, you know, I just don't like the word retire. It's like a, a nasty, dirty word in my mouth for some reason. And I said, and so we had the conversation about it and I said, you know, I think we need to look at when we move from military service, it's change of mission. What is the change of mission? And I think we all, like you talked about earlier, how we're, our identities, you know, expanding and growing and developing. Um, we change mission and different seasons of life. We are doing something different. But if we keep looking at it as like changing mission, you know, same purpose, but there's a different mission associated with it. Um, and so that's what we're looking at is. Changing mission, not retiring. Well, if you look at it, you said it best. The word military service. All you're transitioning to is another form of being in service. And and that's that's you said it best because being in the military is to serve, to protect, so that you know I can sleep at night. I don't know. I ran out of fingers and toes. I think there's 300 million people living in this country, 350. I don't know, something like that. People are in service in the military. So 
we can all rest at night and wake up living in the, the greatest country. Yeah. And they love what they do. <laughs> oh, I, I clear, clearly, clearly. I mean, I, it, it's safe to say that that's one of the reasons why the draft ended, who knows, 1970, whatever, because people do enjoy being in service. And it's it's not like what a lot of people, oh, they're only in it because there's no other. I'm, I'm sure you've heard that that line, right? Oh, they're, they're just doing it for college. Well, clearly that's not true because there's plenty of officers. There's plenty of people that make it a career. So, but I, I always chuckle when, when people try to try to hate or try to say, oh, they're, they're, they, they have no other course of action in life. I'm like, well, I mean, there's a million things anybody can do. And if somebody chooses to be in the military, it's a choice. Uh, I'd say half my fraternity brothers are or officers and they're still in the military. Yeah. Yeah. 30 years of service. So I I didn't have that discipline. It's not for, no, it's, it's not for everyone. And, um, you know, and for a lot of people, it's the next best step for them and to help them find their path. And I you know, I'm just so thankful for everybody who chooses to serve because it it's not an easy, not an easy life. Oh no, no. I but but it, it creates it, it it creates leaders. My my uncle served. He he was stationed in Korea back back in the seventies. And it I I don't know whether it made him more disciplined or not, but he he, was, he spoke very fondly of of his time in, in the army. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so does your your partner have did you guys create your your exit strategy or do you, do you know what plan B is or is it still Um too- well right now I'm beginning the exit strategy so I'm laying the foundation so that when it's time for him to step in and change mission with me um we will we're going to step into a leadership consultant um, consulting together because my husband's known as a very um, prominent leader in his field. And so um, I think many people will be interested in having him help and consult. No, so I'm just was, laying. If, no, no, go ahead. I apologize. No, I'm it, just saying, so I'm just laying the foundation. Okay. Now it, 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 it was easier though for you to understand his world also being an ROTC also being in the army as well. Wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. It gave, it gave me an edge and it gave me um, a deeper understanding so that I could be that much more helpful on the military South side of the world. Because when the other spouses who had no understanding I could explain why some of the things were happening. They were the way they were, why we weren't getting information. And then also when I'm sitting at the table and they're making decisions, um, I can ask the right questions because um, I, I know the way that you're thinking. I know the way the money comes. I know, you know, lots of different things. So it's definitely been very uh, beneficial. And then just having the basic leadership 
being able to walk in and to be able to organize groups and um, give them confidence that they were being cared for the best way that we could care, you know, be cared for, especially during deployments. I mean, my husband went was away for two um, over one year deployments. And during those timeframes, we had to work with um, the spouses and the families and make sure that we were, because the army was learning how to support um, and, and keep the families ready and, you know, moving forward, especially during those first long deployments um, back in 2003. Well, it's easier to connect. If, if I was an army spouse, and my wife was out, I can connect with you because you can relate on so many different levels on what's going on, why I'm feeling this, why I haven't heard lack of communication based on the mission, based on different things compared to like, if, if you're just coming from left field and you're just, just talking, just to talk, you've, you served both roles. You served in the service, you are a leader and a wife. So you understand how that husband or, or, or the wife is feeling before deployment, after deployment, every step of the process. Yes. Yes. It, it definitely helps me to be able to have a little bit of his, their mindset, you know, that is different than our mindset. Um, and it's, it's been fun. So those two one-year deployments, I'm assuming, were like in, in a beautiful country like Afghanistan or or Iraq, somewhere in the Middle East. Um, yeah, both of the one-year plus were in uh, Iraq, and then he did numerous into Afghanistan. But um, it, it was it was tough. The first one, the only communication we had was snail mail. There were no phone calls there were there was no email there was no texting you know none of that and and so i got baptized by fire and got to experience it you know in a different way than what people are experiencing now and i don't want anyone to have to experience what we did but um i mean when they left we thought you know they said oh we'll see you in six months and um I just had this feeling in myself when my husband, when I was giving him his final hug goodbye before he got on the bus to go load the plane. And he says, I'll see you in six months. And I said, no, I'll see you in a year. You'll be home by my birthday. And he was like, what? (laughs) But it was like the Lord had just settled that in me so that when we got the extension, I was able to be strong and stand strong for the other spouses that were like, wait a minute, they said six months. And I said, yes. And that was what they were hoping for. Nobody wanted this. So now we've got to support them. We can't whine. This is not their choice. We can't blame it on them. It's not their choice. So So you see, just based on experience, you feel their, their anger, their pain, their every different emotion that that can come up you've you've gone through it which is like like to me that that's that's the type of coach you want that's the type that has had skin in the game that knows the process because so many times you you talk to people and sure you've been there you you're army as well as an army wife 
But so many other people would take on the role. Well, were you in the service? No, 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 not at all. Well, is your is your spouse in the service? Oh, no, no. But uh, you know, I I took a course, and that that's that's the one thing that it's crazy out there. When people ask me, "Am I have I been a business? Do I own a business?" I'm like, well, besides it being on my bio, yeah, for. 20 years, you want somebody, it's like, if you want to go to a surgeon, you, you want him to have experience and not go, well, you know, I, I, I did watch Doogie Hauser for many years and I, I watched ER. So I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, my experience helps me and I kind of joke um, that, you know, no, I don't have PhD and doctorate behind me, but I got my, um, honorary doctorate from my military experience university and called my life. And that's, and that's trust me, that, 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 that <laughs> holds way more to me than if you told me, well, I, I, I went to, to Harvard and I took a leadership course or I, I, I have a PhD in, in management and it's like, okay, but so, so did my, all my professors back in college, but I, you know, they had no real world experience. Real world experience always trumps anything. It, it's like be, being in Iraq, being in Pakistan, being in Afghanistan, being in all those places. To me, these are real leaders that, that we've had coming out compared to people in the military and that, that time frame where from like Grenada on that. There was no action. The U.S. wasn't really involved, except for you know war games and sim. You know you you can't you can't role play your way out of becoming a leader. You, you have to lead. You have to lead people into the battle, whether it's a real war or you know the the battle of business, the battle of reality, and. Definitely. Yeah. And, and the humanitarian service that they do also going into the different countries and then um, serving and helping along um, hurricanes and stuff builds leaders too, because they have to become very creative <laughs> well, it, and problem solve. It's called problem solving based on yep. reality, you know, based on stuff that even if you, if you role play, role playing doesn't throw in the kitchen sink or, or you know, the stuff that, you know, we, Life throws us stuff that we could never imagine possible. Yeah. The hands-on reality tests of life are the best teachers. For sure. Oh, my goodness. So purpose-based, faith-based. Now, these men and women, because there's women service people out there, do you find it easier that to say, hey, let's be in service to the spouses? Or are there some that, hey, I just want my husband back. I just want my wife back. That's it. Well, we're there's a full spectrum because there are some people who are um, there as a spouse of the military, they have their careers. 
And so they're very career oriented and they're, you know, they're not really embracing the military, you know, all that comes with the military community and everything. And then there's some that they're really embracing the um, camaraderie and the connection with the military community and they get involved because um, it needs, we need volunteers in order to have half of our programs be a, a success in order to have the programs for our children. Like we have to, all of our sport, sports that are offered for the kids that are intramural are all volunteer coaches. So it's either soldiers volunteering, spouses volunteering. Um, we have to come together for community in order for our community things to um, take place. And so it's, it's really dependent. I mean, but really, and I know you'll find this in any community that you go to, people who are open-minded are people who are growth-minded. And they want to be a part of stuff and they want to continuously be moving forward. So uh, the people that I work with are growth-minded and they want to put in the work and do the work. Um, and so that's, that's usually the time. I mean, it's the military community is fun. It's, it's really just like a little microcosm of any... Um, community that you would find across the um, the United States. It's just, it's, we just keep moving. And then they have their own little personalities, just like um, sporting and sporting teams. They, they all have their own little unique personalities and stuff based on where they're at. Um, some are, you know, very Southern focused and they have, so it's fun because we've moved, we've lived all over the place. We've lived in Georgia. We've lived in Texas. We've lived in um, Kansas. We've lived in Germany. We've lived in Hawaii. We now live in Alaska and um, spent some time in Korea. And I know I'm forgetting something, but <laughs> Pennsylvania, New York, <laughs> and they all have their own personality. Now your three children. Military or undecided or? Um, my girls always said they would, they could see themselves marrying a military man, but they didn't see themselves serving. And so, um, our oldest is married and, um, her and her husband actually started a little small moving company. And so they, um, it's fun to see them, you know, venturing out. And then my, our middle daughter is about to graduate and she, um, I don't know if she'll be upset if I say this, but she told me one day, she looked at me very defiant. She goes, you know, you and dad are leaders, but I am not a leader. Well, her undergrad, like her minor that she's getting is in leadership and she's studying entrepreneurship. <laughs> so you just kind of have to giggle. And then um, our son is uh, on a path to discover what exactly he wants to do. and. Um, a military is not his thing. He's six five, and he's like, "Mom, I just see myself crunching into a ball to get involved in anything in the military." So I'm like, "Hey, six five, wow, yeah." And it's it's funny that you said your middle daughter. She's an leadership entrepreneurial. To me, that's she is a leader. I, I've never met an entrepreneur, a successful one, that's like, "Hey, you know what?" I, I'm not the leader. I'm just here. I pay some bills. I let everybody else do their stuff. I don't guide. Well, if they try to lead that way, I, I think their, their entrepreneurial spirit would 
lead them to uh, bankruptcy quick. But yeah, no, no, definitely. She, well, she's ha- she has two parents that are leaders, so clearly she yeah. she she's destined to be a leader. Oh yeah, and and we we see leadership in in all three of them, and it's it's um it's fun because you can't pigeonhole a leader. Like we all have our own leadership styles and the way that our leadership is um, lived out. And um, because I, you know, most of the time when I speak and I'm talking to different groups and we're talking about leadership at some point, I'm like, how many of you consider yourself a leader? And most military spouses don't really consider themselves a leader. And I have to, and that's where I go, well, it depends on what you think of as a leader. And I said, leadership is influence. Who in this room has influence? And I said, so we're all a leader. It's just we're not all standing at the front of the room, but we're a leader in our home. We're a leader in wherever we're volunteering. We're leading that small group. And we have to remember the influence that we have and make sure we're using it in a positive way. And um, and I've had a couple of people come to me afterwards and like, man, I never really thought of myself as a leader. And I'm like, influence is leadership. And that's where we have to remember that you're influencing no matter if you think you are or aren't. True. Now, Royal Reflections, your Bible-based study. Is there a scripture? Do you do you do it through scripture or? Yes, it is basically um, all, it leads you all to scripture. So every principle that I discussed in the Bible study, all is backed by scripture. So I lead everyone to um, scripture because um, I believe that the Bible is living, breathing, and it can teach you better than um, any example or story that I can share with any person. And so it's really, it's a study that allows the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to take each um, person who does the study where he needs to take them. And um, I've, this is my redo. So it's Royal Reflections 2.0. I did the previous one and the response uh, that I would get from each of the groups that I took through was like, they would have whole new concepts that would come out in our discussions that I never even had on my radar when I was, you know, writing the study out for everybody to do. So, um, it's it's a study that really solidifies your foundation, gets allows you to see what your purpose is, and then points you on how to live it out. But the most important thing is points you to relationship, personal relationship with Christ and um, living that out each day. Now, have you ever had any blowback from like atheists or not non-believers of Christ, other religions, the, the, the Jews, the Buddhists, the Hindus. Not, I don't fall I I into any of those categories. I'm just no, I I have not. I've actually um I I was recently somebody picked up my study and they're like, oh well, I can't share this because my it's like I go to a Catholic church and I said, well, actually, I've had like ten Catholic women take the study and they all they all just dove in because it's so scripture based. It's not um it's not doctrine based, which is where we come into the different um churches 
and beliefs. It's just Bible based. I, and so I haven't had any issue. And, um, so I, I've had, and so that's, and I really just haven't had anybody like say anything negative. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I do like regular live videos, um, wisdom wellspring and a fearless Friday videos where I share things and I've never had anything negative said. Um, well, just for her, I mean, I'm, I'm Catholic and we all have the same Bible. It all, all the denominations of Christianity. So I don't know why she would, I, especially, you know, Pope Francis is the most loving and most understanding guy. It's not like he would say, no, you, you can only learn through, you know, the Vatican's teachings. But yeah, scripture for all of us, we all read the same Bible. It, we just all have different denominations and our, our views are so small. All, all of us. It, the one thing that I, I never understood is why we just don't embrace. And this, this is every Christian. We all love Jesus. We all love Christ, his teachings. We all just do it very, uh, uh, like, it's like so minimal, like the differences between every denomination. But yet it's like, oh, no, well, that guy's a Baptist. That guy's Methodist or that that, that guy's non-denominational or that, that guy's Catholic. It's like, stop it already. Just love love your brother. You know, he's, he's a believer who cares if, you know, he, he kneels or he sits or, you know, how he does it. We're all, we're all saying, we're all preaching God's love. We're all loving the same man. We're all loving Jesus Christ. So, but, but that's like, that's a topic, but, but you would have to, you, you're smiling because you see it all the time amongst, amongst us. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're all Christian, knock it off. And, you know, who cares if yeah. that other person has like this exactly. beliefs in you? You're right. We agree on the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. There is one God. There mm-hmm. is one way to salvation. That is through Jesus Christ, right? And That's what we're all led to believe. Those, those are the big. Those are the big things. And see, what I'm smiling about is because I'm part of Protestant Women of the Chapel, which is basically our women's ministry throughout all of our services. And we're we say Protestant, but we're non-denominational within the Protestant land. And um, I always look at denominations as preferences, just like we have personalities and preferences that come with our personalities. And um, but so we come together and we'll we'll do a Bible study and we leave the doctrinal stuff to the side. And we just focus on, well, what does this, the scripture say? And if somebody will bring up a, you know, a very strong doctrinal thing, we'll say, well, let's remember we're non-denominational here. What does the Bible say about it? And then we don't we don't argue. We just say this is what the Bible says. And then we move we move on. And it's a beautiful picture because we we don't have to get caught up on the little things because it's the little things that will trip us up. And we, we can just look at history with the Jewish, you know, priests and the sex and all that stuff. That's a prime example of let's not get tied down to the legalistic pieces. Let's stick well, to it's like people always major in the minor stuff. It's like that's what stops so many people from progressing in their own lives is because they focus on the, the the silliest little things. And that's why when somebody tells me, Oh, well, this person's that denomination or this, I can't believe it's like, who cares? 
You know, I, I honestly don't believe Jesus is like, well, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this is my hierarchy of all the churches. It's like, no, it, you said it best. The way to salvation, it, it says it right there in the Bible that, you know, one, one, not, not 80% of Christians, 100% all agree upon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. And just, re- you know, oh gosh, I just lost what I was going to say. Must not be important. It, you'll, it'll come back. <laughs> so, but so January is the launch of your Bible study. Now, how, how can people find it? How, how can people find you? People can find me at my website. That's probably the most central location. So just at sherryeisler.com. And there they can learn about the Bible study. And there'll be information for when the um, classes are going to be starting and how to get LinkedIn. And if some people are also asking, you know, I don't know, have I ever answered the question, who am I? I've got a free core assessment also on the front of my um, website. So they can click that and kind of get an answer and um, learn how to dig deeper if they want to do that also. But the Bible study is going to kick off in January. I think it's the perfect time because everybody's looking for digging deeper, going further in their faith um, as the new year starts off. And this is a perfect way to lay a great foundation for amazing 2023. And they can say 2023 is finally their year because clearly, you know, it all has to be with faith. I mean, people believe in the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and Santa for five, six, seven years of their life, but they can't even believe in themselves. They can't even have that hope that we you discuss. Have hope. Have faith. You know, hope isn't just a, a small town in Arkansas where Bill Clinton and Mike Huckabee are from. I mean, you have to believe. And I, we both share the opinion. You know, God has amazing plans for you. But you have to do the work and you have to have faith, not only in God, not only in Christ, but you have to have faith in yourself. Exactly. And that's if faith it is, is putting, but it is, is it's walking out. It's not just having it and holding on to it. Faith is walking it out in our life. And then it's producing the fruit that draws others to your life and produces the fruit that um, allows you to be uh, abundant in your, in your living in your life and in your relationships. And um, so yes, 2023 is everyone's year to step into and build that foundation of faith and just leap off and um, make it an amazing year. Well, here's, here's my, my thing to you. What words of wisdom would you leave? to that person that is sitting on the sidelines, doesn't have faith in themselves, that doesn't have faith. Well, they do believe in God, but they believe it is what it is. What words of wisdom would you have to that person that's just waiting for life to happen? If you happen to be that person that Omar just described, and you're waiting for life to happen, 
I can tell you that I learned for myself that I had to step into life to make it happen for myself. I had to choose to grow and choose to know, not just in my head, because you might be sitting there and you might know a lot of things right now about your life and what you should be doing. But I want to challenge you right now. Don't wait till 2023. Right now, pick up your Bible and just start reading through the Psalms, through the Proverbs, and through the chapter of John. And just ask for the Lord to show you your next steps, show you how to start walking out that faith that because he wants a relationship with you, but he is a gentleman and he is not going to force himself on us. He wants us to take his hand that he's offering and he will guide us through life. And so if you take those steps and you hold his hand, he is going to lead you exactly where he has planned for you to go all along. So I hope you will take those steps. Exactly. And, you know, people just wish, 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 wish. God, Jesus, they know what you want. They gave you free will. They gave you the tools to thrive, to prosper. But you have to take action. And then, you know, maybe, just maybe, God, Jesus, they just want you to just be thankful, grateful, and just say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me another day. And not, I want that new Lamborghini. I want that amazing $2 million in my bank account. I want, I want, I want. You know, if you want that, go go out and get it. But just be grateful. Be thankful for everything that you have in life because we we truly do. I've I've got two amazing daughters that are getting ready to turn 17 and 15. And you know, life is great. Everything else is figure outable. Exactly. Exactly. So, so do you want to promote your your services, your Bible study one more time? Just to let everybody know because three times a charm, the, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, there's three. The Holy Trinity, yes, definitely. So Royal Reflections 2.0, it's the making of a warrior princess. It's an eight-week Bible study. It is meant to help you set the foundation of your um, relationship of Christ in Christ and to find the power, clarity, and confidence to step it out and recognize the treasure that you've been given and to live as a warrior, not just a princess. And um, so I want to, I'm just, I'm inviting you January, mark it on your calendar. Um, visit SherryEifler.com right now and um, learn about it and um, get connected with me on Facebook, Instagram, because every week I start with a new um reflection verse on Mondays, and we take it all the way through the week. And um, just to help you dig deeper and stay focused. And I really work, we work on mindset every single week, faith mindset, not just let's, let's speak power words into our life. No, we're speaking the word into our life. So I look forward to seeing you there. It's just Sherry Eifler uh, writes for, in, for Facebook and Sherry Eifler on Instagram. And the one thing that it doesn't look Jerry, like you have an app named Instagram. <laughs> Don't worry about that. That's life. 
you want the warrior princess, not the warrior princess. And, and that's what most people are, is the war- warrior instead of being the warrior. Sherry, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being faith-based. Thank you for being in service. Thank you for being more Christ-like. God loves you. I love you. And I thank you for your opportunity and for giving me the message and for giving everybody else the message. Thank you, so Omar. This has been a wonderful time. I appreciate being able to share this message and to get to know you better. Thank you. I never told no one that. What if it did work? Start asking yourself better questions. An amazing podcast and an amazing movement, but it all started as an Amazon best-selling book by yours truly. Yes, I'm being biased. It's my favorite book. Took me forever to write. About 47 years. But you know what? It took a lot less to write my second book. The Vacation CEO. Yes, that's a new book. I never told no one that. My whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars. I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold. Like, why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? I knew I needed help. I had no self-confidence, didn't believe in myself. I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition to start a business. But before I even started, I feel like it's finished. You got a vision. And let me say, I don't care if they your blood got the same DNA. They can't feel how you feel. They can't see what you see. Wanna change your life? You gotta change the way you think. The thoughts in your mind is the boss of your life. Nothing but good vibes every day. I'm thinking like, what if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. Prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.